0: Hi, I'm Howard Tierski. Welcome to the Winning Digital Customers podcast, where we focus on the stories of large-scale digital transformations told by the people who lead them. Hey, everybody. Welcome once again to the Winning Digital Customers podcast. I have my friend with me today, Deborah Rue. Debra is the CEO of Rue Global Impact and is an expert on matters of accessibility of digital experiences, meaning how do you make your digital experiences more accessible for people with various kinds of abilities and disabilities, and why should you do that? Why should you take the time and trouble to do something like that? Or why would you not want to consider doing that? That's what we're going to be talking about here for the next half hour or so. Debra has spoken on this topic in front of the United Nations. She has written about it in Forbes magazine. She has been granted a humanitarian award for her, her work making digital experiences more accessible for the disabled by the Chi- Chinese American humanitarian award, and she was named by the National Association of Women Business Owners as Woman of the Year. I meet me as well. What a coincidence! I also no, <laughs> of
1: course I didn't. <laughs> anyway,
0: <laughs> um, well, welcome, Deborah. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you bringing me in to talk about this topic that really impacts a lot of people. So. Thank you.
0: Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, well, so as, you know, in my business, we're building digital uh, ex- experiences all the time, whether it's websites or mobile applications or other cool stuff. And this issue of accessibility comes up a lot. And I guess I want to start, you know, I, I, I'd i like to say that every company we work with, the first thing they say is, you know, we really care about the disabled and we really want to make sure that we're making this Maximally accessible for people with disabilities, but the truth is, what we hear the most is, "Hey, we don't want to get fined by the government. We don't want to get sued. What are we required to do? Americans with Disability Act sections five, section five hundred eight, you know, et cetera, et cetera. What is what is it that we're really required to do to avoid liability? So, I want to talk about multiple facets to this, but let's start there because I think it's the what's first and foremost, perhaps unfortunately, on people's minds. So. What should people be thinking about if, if you're an e-commerce provider or you're a bank or you're creating a, a mobile app for your customers in your in your restaurants, things like that? What should you be thinking about in terms of making sure you don't, in, you know, in the interest of serving the majority of people, neglect somebody and wind up with a big fat fine from some aspect of the government?
1: Well, I think it's very important that if you are outsourcing your website or your presence, make sure that you put the language in the proposal that you get back or the RFP, the request for proposal, that it be fully accessible. Whether or not you believe in it or not, if you're hiring somebody to build your website, make sure the language is in there. Now, if the vendor comes back and is like, what is accessibility? What's 508? Well, you probably don't have the right vendor. So first of all, I would say that. Now, if you're going to do it yourself, which is also fine because a lot of small entrepreneurs, we do have to do small businesses we have to do our websites ourselves but really you should you should build your website so that all of your customers can access your information and the reality is that there are 20 25% of adults in America identifies having a disability and that's according to the CDC now i realize right now the CDC doesn't have maybe a lot of people are not trusting them these days but still the CDC did do a study a few years ago and found that one in four American adults identified as having a disability. So that's 25% of our population, our adult population. But also another reason to make sure that everyone can use your website is that sometimes we temporarily have disabilities. Sometimes I can't hear because I'm in a noisy place. Maybe there's, you know, sometimes I can't see because there's too much light coming into my screen. Sometimes I'm holding a baby instead of, a computer, there's a lot of reasons why we have situational disabilities, and so there's a lot of reasons to make sure that you build your technology so that all human beings can use it. But there're also, and I realize I'm selling here, okay, Howard, I realize I'm selling here, but I would also say that when you make your website more accessible, it also improves your SEO, your search engine optimization rankings. So, We want you to include us because we deserve to be included. We're 1.3 billion people in the world. We're over 76 million Americans here in the United States. This is a one disability, this is a one diverse group, Howard, that you can move in and out of. You can become temporarily disabled, but it's not really. For any of those reasons, but mainly it's to make sure that all of your customers can access your information, access your information because when you make something accessible, it improves the experience for everyone, not just for people with disabilities. Sorry for my long answer. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, no, no, no. I, I you said a lot of valid things there. I, I agree with. You know, but uh, but um, you know, it's one of those vendors that winds up on the other side of RFP sometimes. If someone says make the website accessible, you know, to me that's always a little bit of a red flag, be- only because it's a little bit to me anyway a matter of inter- interpretation and opinion. Okay. I mean, after all, there are many ways in which someone can be disabled, and so I would never sign a contract, for example, that says I'll build you a website that will be accessible to everybody. You know, I mean. I, you know, someone could have who knows what different combinations of. In other words, all I'm saying is it has to be more no, no, specific. And and I and and one thing, and one thing that I always advise a client when they talk about accessibility is I always say we 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 believe in that, so we are very happy to do it. It does cost more money though. So yes. you know, if you're going to tell hmm. me as a company building a site that I need to support uh, text to speech readers and I need to make sure that you know it works in a variety of different. Cases that are out of what we would normally think of as a you know an able-bodied user, uh, then that may mean I have a bunch more work I have to do, more hours I have to spend to get it ready. Quite possibly completely justified, but expect the price to be higher. And then usually what that leads the client to say is, okay, well let's get let's get more specific. Like specifically, what should we be supporting? Because there's kind of a gradation. You know. You can make sure you have a website that looks good for the colorblind but isn't enabled for text to speech or you can do that but not have, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So how, how do you slice that up? How do you take the topic of accessibility and say, okay, wait a minute, it's not one monolithic thing. It's a variety of different disabilities and it's a variety of different specific practices as simple as providing alt text for an image all the way up to having to test an, uh, a, a web, an app with multiple different assistive technologies. So do you have a model that you use to kind of break that up?
1: I do. And, and I, I think you brought up some really, really important points. In the first place, saying something is accessible is a little bit in the eyes of the beholder. So I totally agree with you. So I always say to our customers, um, your job is to follow the law. You have to comply with the law. Okay. Now, Section five hundred eight, which is part of the, um, you know, the law that says the United States government has to be fully accessible, and our state governments have to be accessible, but it doesn't really speak to corporations. So, what I would do is I always say I'm specific. I need my website to be accessible to. Um, You know, I know it's W3C WCAG 2.1, which is where all the laws point to. So that's what I always tell my customers. Don't don't worry so much about, does it work for people that are blind versus does it, what about people that are deaf? Well, what if I have a mobility? What about, uh, are you gonna make your website work for my daughter with Down syndrome that can only read at a second grade level? Well, a lot of your customers are gonna be dissatisfied if you do that. So I tell them not to worry about all those moving parts. If they follow the standards, which is W3C WCAG 2.1 and all over the world, because, you know, even though we're talking from the lens of the United States, the reality is if you're a corporation in the United States, but you also work outside the United States, which most companies do, you have to be accessible throughout your entire geo footprint, your entire footprint. So if you all have to follow the same standards, the standards are WCAG um, 2.1, all of the laws, including Section 508 here in the United States, including the Americans with Disabilities Act, all of them point to the same standards. So everybody follows the same standards. Now, I, I want to say that some of the standards are easier to follow, as you said. You know. Color cannot be the only indicator that you use in the technology, as you mentioned, which really helps people that the 19 million American males that are colorblind. But it also helps people that are losing their vision, which a lot of people are losing their vision. And, and of course, it also supports people that are completely blind, so they're using screen reader technology. But it's too big for us to tell corporations or any any size corporation that you got to make sure every single person with a disability is accommodated. We don't even know how to even begin to do that. So we don't say that. We say instead, accessibility means you're following the global standards that the entire world has agreed to. And you start there and you say that in the language, but I think it's also appropriate what you said. If a customer is saying, well, Howard, let me just send it all to you. I don't want any of the responsibility. It is, it's, if you, and you know this because y'all do this, if you blend accessibility right into the life cycle of that project, it isn't a lot more expensive. But if you do it after the fact, boy, is it expensive. You are going to spend so much more money. So if you blend it in right in the very beginning and consider it all the way through the process, like you would privacy or security, which are not nice to have, so we want them to have it. Then, then it works better. But I agree with what you're saying. Don't just say accessible. Yeah, because that's really in the eye of the beholder.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so, let me just unpack a couple things you said. So, so from a legal perspective, and, and I, I know you're not an attorney. I don't believe, and um, I'm not one either, <laughs> despite my parents' ambitions. But um, I, you know, my understanding is that Section 508, as you mentioned. Uh, sets requirements for government entities. So if you're right. working on building a website for you know the military or something that obviously they apply to you. but I believe they also apply to private businesses that have government contracts. So yes. if you're yes. Citibank and you do and you have government entities that have bank accounts with Citibank and their employees are using it. So actually it winds up covering a large number of at least larger companies because if okay. you're sort of dealing with the government in a variety of different ways, it can potentially apply to you. Right. And Section 508 does point people to to that. So from a legal perspective, it would seem, uh, consult with your local attorney. And by the way, we're also talking about things from a U.S.-centric perspective. And I know that from a legal perspective, I mean, so a lot of people listening are in the U.S., but some of you have interests outside the U.S. and some, some of our listeners are in Europe and other parts of the world. So, But from a legal perspective, if you're not doing business with the government, I think it's more murky, is that safe to say? My understanding, yes. but but please yep, correct me because you're, right. you're the expert. My, yep. my understanding in the past has been that the Americans with Disability Act is very, very vague. And it just yes. says things like, you must make your business accessible and leaves it. So whether that means you need to support a text-to-speech reader or do this, that, or the other thing is purely a matter of interpretation. Is that correctly stated?
1: Yes, it is. And I will say though, it, when these cases come to court, we're using our Americans with Disability Act as the the legal arm. It, it, that's what it's under, and um, and what the judges and the lawyers do because they also know that it's vague is they're going to the Section 508. So they are looking at the language of Section 508 when they're making the decisions, which is why mostly the corporations that um, they're the ones that lose now. The, our community, people with disabilities, if you know, are the ones they they win those lawsuits because they're looking across the board at the laws we have with for, for our government. So even though we don't have to comply see. with 508, that is the law that's being looked at. And Department of Justice. So keeps you're I, I, you're seeing a
0: fair amount. Of, sorry, go ahead. yeah,
1: I'm sorry. Um, the de, uh, excuse me, the Department of Justice keeps saying. That they are going to adopt policies that make it um, very clear to corporations that they're that they have to do this, but that has not been done yet. So right now, you are right, Howard. That it's gray. It is gray.
0: Got it. Yeah, no, that's very helpful. And so these specific guidelines that you're referring to, and I know that there have been a series of, you know, enhanced over time W three C guidelines. The web content accessibility guidelines are available now. Um, we'll put the URL for that in the show notes, and maybe we'll even put it on, on screen for for YouTube so people can get to that. Um, it's not the world's most gripping reading, it's technical <laughs> documents, but that's the sort of thing you can hand off to your team and say, okay, this is literally going to walk through a variety of very specific things that you can do to be compliant. Right. Are there still levels? I know at one point there was level one, level two, level three. Is that still a part of the latest version of the content it accessibility is. guidelines? And if so, can you talk a little bit about those levels and what those levels mean? Because it's it's yeah, you want to be a little compliant, a medium compliant. You know, it's kind of like going to 7-Eleven. You want the big gulp of compliance. How do you know what level you need to target? Because the higher the level, the greater the cost.
1: Right. Well, what we all have agreed as a community is that it's double A. Single A it's not accessible enough. AAA, it's just too hard to get there. And so we all agree that it's double A. And um, but isn't that confusing, Howard? Oh, why do you have A, double A, AA and AAA if everybody's saying use double A? Why do we even have the rest? It just is unnecessarily confusing. Unnecessarily confusing. So first of all, I want to say it sounds that.
0: like something created by a committee.
1: Yes. Yeah. By a standards committee. Sorry, I said it. I said it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and I've, I've said on <laughs> right. the committees, wow, um, I, I I appreciate people that write standards. Uh, I'm just not going to, I'm not a person that you want to do that. Uh, but it, it is, it really is great and confusing. And and I don't want, I, I don't want to pretend that's not true. I think it also sometimes is burdensome for the employers, for the, for people building websites, but the reality is then we step back and people with disabilities have been part of you know, communities since the beginning of man. And I just think it's time for us all to want digital technologies to work for everybody. And leaving out large groups of people because they're too much trouble, that is just really disheartening to the community in so many ways. And that's one reason why we're creating Billion Strong right now, billion-strong.org, which is to bring together the 1.3 to 1.6 billion people in the world with disabilities, similar to what the LGBT community did, so we could come out in pride and say, you know, come on, I do matter. I'm a person with an invisible disability, like many people in the world. I am neurodiverse. I have ADHD, which, by the way, 65% of entrepreneurs have ADHD or dyslexia, 65%. So are we really broken or are we just, we use our brains differently? But, you know, comments that we hear like, oh God, I'd rather be dead than be blind. Well, I'm not sure how you think the person is receiving that. So I part of what I am really focused on is helping these these corporations understand society's expectations of you have changed. I mean, that's what your whole show's about. It's about our expectations have changed and we want to have access to, you know, digital just like everybody else. And we want the digital divide reduced. We want the sustainable development goals, which include making sure that technology is accessible to us. So I think Americans need to be a little bit stronger and braver, and we need to lead on this because we actually, by our messy yeah. way of doing business with the way we sue each other, we've caused a lot of global change, positive change. But I, I, I wish Americans would own it a little bit more because we are the country that tries to show other countries how we could have our best lives. I know we're not perfect, but I am hoping we look at this less of a compliance and more of well, how, would you not want to be included, Howard? If when you know tomorrow you became blind, you're just blind, but you'll figure the rest out. But I think we need to think of it a little less of a compliance issue into what do we need to do to make the world work for more people? Issue.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I I I spiritually um, align with you and applaud what you're doing, and I want to ask you a few more questions about. If you're the person at a big company who feels the way that you feel, but then you've got to go to your boss and say, you know, I need to add 15% to the budget of this project, it's helpful to be clear on some of these sort of more hard, some of the, the reasons that you can, you know, you can justify from a bottom line ROI perspective. So I want to talk about two more. Before we move on from this sort of first one around compliance, though, I just want to highlight. Um, you know that that these these guidelines and maybe I don't know if there's anything you want to point to, but I'll just I'll just say at a high level, what what will you find in those guidelines? Things like when it's okay and not okay to use animation, how to use the pointer, how long you have to hold your finger down when you're tapping something for it to be considered, uh, you know, a, a tap. You know, if you make someone hold their finger down too long, then if someone has a, a motion issue where their finger isn't you know stable and still, they may not be able to tap. On things in your app, so it goes to this kind of very, you know, the issues of type size, these kind of very, very specific design things. Is there anything you want to point to? Any other examples, or uh, do you have a favorite chapter in the guidelines? Well, no. well I
1: would Anything else you want this. to share to
0: just give people a flavor of what's in there?
1: Yeah, and it, you know, color can't be the only indicator. Remember, we used to put things in red. Well, then we're like, well, you know, if we really if this mandatory, maybe we'll put an asterisk and say mandatory. Well, that makes it accessible to all of us. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the things that are in there, not all of them, but a lot of things in there, I consider good design. One thing I personally hate as somebody that's over 60, and as we age, more of us have problems with accessibility, but is whenever on a movie or something, they're showing the phone and the text and it's so little and it's relevant to the show, but I can't see it. I find that very annoying. Now, I'm an old, naggy woman maybe, but things like that, you know, it doesn't make sense. We can't see that. I can barely see it when I got it in front of my face. So, a lot of it is practical design, but not all of it for, you know, how your skip link navigations and stuff like that. Some of it is very specific to how people with disabilities use technology, but- A lot of it is good design. You shouldn't be making color the only indicator. You're not going to have a corporate site with a bunch of animation that's spinning and flashing because we all know that, you know, Pokemon taught us that you can cause people to go in seizures. So a lot of it's good design, but I don't want to say it all is, Howard. I I don't want it. That's not fair to say, but it is things like, you know... um, navigation links and stuff because if i'm using my eyes i can look real quickly on the screen and see where i need to go but if i'm using a screen reader i don't have that i I don't have that ability so i have to skip and skip and skip to try to get to the content and what we see often is people forget about that so however you design the website is however it's going to skip on the screen reader so it makes it very very difficult for people using a screen reader to be able to navigate the information or the charts. or So mm-hmm. it is extra work, but I find that that's why you've got to hire the right people to build your website. Everybody thinks they can build a website, but not everybody can build it, a website that we actually engage on and we use and we access. So I would say buyer beware and go and make sure you're finding the howards of the world that actually know how to do this. Because uh, if somebody says to you, which I've heard before, well, is it, you're going to build the website accessibly? Um, oh, you can use, you can get on that website 24/7. Nope, that's not what I'm saying. You know, it, or you know, I hear all kind of other excuses, but I do think that's what's happened, Howard. I believe that the world, does, especially the big corporations. We're looking at the big corporations with this great resignation going on. 40% of people are saying they won't be in the same job they're in next year or this year. So brands really do need to be paying attention to what is important to society. And including people with disabilities has become something that's very important to society. And one more point, Howard, there is the valuable500.org. That is 500 major multinational corporations that have come together at a CEO level at the World Economic Forum and committed to disability inclusion. It's the valuable500.org. And you've got the Microsofts, you've got you know, uh, Unilever, uh, Software AG. I mean, it, it is so many powerful companies um, that are coming together and saying, all right, we're gonna make a commitment. Okay, well, you're committing to us. What are you going to do? And so a lot of your customers, Howard, very possibly their CEOs might have already signed up with the Valuable 500, and you, they're going to see a, a lot more push and conversations coming from CEOs of why this is important. And so there's some social reasons pushing us as well as the compliance reasons.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I guess I'm. I kind of see in this trio of reasons. We talked a lot about compliance, and obviously, depending on what country you're listening from, the laws may be a little different. Uh, the second that you've just been talking a lot about are these social reasons, and then you alluded to it at the beginning, and I want to talk about it a little bit more as well. Are the pure business reasons? If you know, if if you think about some level of disability is not a 0.1 percent of people thing, but actually a large number of people, then obviously meeting their needs. You know, you mentioned about vision. I mean, as I'm. We're all getting older, you know. And, um, you know, I find now uh, if I don't have my reading glasses on and one of my kids runs up and says, here, look at this thing on Instagram. I think they fixed it now. But for a long time, you couldn't enlarge an image on Instagram. Right. And so my, my, my kids would hand me the phone and I'd look at it and I'd be like, ah, trying to see what they were showing me. And I couldn't see it. And i didn't have my glasses, you know, on me. And, uh, and then what they would, they would roll their eyes, of course, dad, you're so old. And then they would take a screenshot, open it up in photos so that I could enlarge it. Right, but obviously now I think since then Instagram may have fixed that, but you know that was if if they fixed it, it's only within the last year. So that's just a simple example, and I don't know if that would violate the W three C guidelines or not. But that's just an example where you know I'm not I wouldn't consider myself disabled, you know, but I guess I kind of am disabled to a certain degree (laughs) if you hand me something to read and I don't have my reading glasses.
1: And what does that even mean to be disabled? Because as we know. That means a bad thing. That's a that's bad, but is it? And that's what we're trying to do at billion-strong.org. Is really rethink it because as we get older, Howard, we don't see as well, we don't hear as well, we you know. But it doesn't mean that we still don't add value. Well, what if you're a person that was born with right. a disability or you acquired one? Society treats you like you just you know, go home, get on the couch, we'll take care, you know, it it just takes away people's dignity. And I think we need to really look at society as what does it really mean to really be human? But some other business cases, once again, people are paying attention. The young people don't want to work for corporations that they don't consider are good corporations. We saw them, you know, striking out uh, when you didn't handle that sexual abuse case right. or So, it is a real opportunity, especially for major brands, because you can tell us, society, that you're doing this or doing that, but we see you building rockets with the money you've made from us. And, you know, there's there's a lot of suspicion of large corporations now. And so you really need to tell society what you're doing to make the world a better place. One way you can do it is by making sure Digi- you know technology all digital technologies accessible to everyone and, and the, do you know who the largest yeah. deaf and blind user is in the world? Google the Google search engine it's deaf and it's blind. so mm. you mm. T- you make your information accessible and guess what picks it up and gives you better search engine optimization which we talked about before so there are good business reasons to take these extra steps there are but you do need to work with people that know what you're talking about so um i always say do not do business with any website or app company that doesn't know how to make that technology accessible because you're doing everybody a disservice including yourself so they need to go to you howard yeah
0: (laughs) but they do fantastic well that was a great summary and well, you know, and and, and and look, it's it's a specialized area, I find, you know. Um, I wouldn't say most of the people in my company would necessarily think of all these things that are necessary, even if with the best of intentions. And even with people who are good with technology or whatever else, it's a specialized thing. You need people who, um, who are focused on it, whether that's the only thing they're focused on. But, you know, I feel like, and we've done this in my company, we've got, you know, just a few people who we've assigned to say, okay, you need to understand all these guidelines so that when we have a meeting and we're talking about an application – Because, of course, this isn't going to be the only thing we're thinking about. In fact, it's probably not even the main thing we're thinking about. So someone needs to sort of have that point of view and say, well, hang on a second. Right. If we do it that way, what's the accessibility impact and how does that change things? And then, you know, and then sometimes it's a struggle. Right. Because just like any conflicting requirements, oh, we want to do it this way. Oh, but it has a negative accessibility impact. And then what do you do? And, And hopefully you get that's when you need creativity and ingenuity to try to figure out how can we kind of have our cake and eat it too.
1: And Howard, I would say one more thing that you made. And I love this.
0: that point you made before. Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, no, th- you, you go and then I'll go.
0: Well, I was just going to say, I just want to pick up the point you made before about we're all disabled if we're in bright sunlight or in loud environments or, you know, this idea that, you know, I think this whole idea of, you know, when people say, if someone said to me, well, what do you mean by accessibility? Well, you made a point earlier. Someone might think accessibility means um, you know, is the site up 24-7? Okay, totally obviously, right. that's a misunderstanding. But if someone said to me, if someone said that to me, I could you've kind of helped me adjust my thinking a little bit during this conversation. Because previously, if someone said to me, well, what do you mean by accessibility? I would have been like, well, you know, accessibility for the disabled, right? But you've kind of helped me realize that that's not the whole story. The disabled is not the whole story. It may be that that's what the D in ADA stands for, for the disabled. But a lot of the business benefits are accessibility to those many of us like me who don't identify as disabled but sometimes our vision isn't the best or people like you said who are in a loud environment, et cetera, et cetera. So all of a sudden you're talking about a much larger range of people and something that doesn't sound like you need to be such a nice guy to decide to do it. It just makes good business sense.
1: It's good business sense. And I will also say, Howard, that – because you asked me this before we went on air but if you if you somebody comes after you to sue you over this and you have made um attempts to do it the courts look very favorably on that if you have a plan and you've worked the plan and you're showing progress it's if you just don't want to do it at all or you want to fight it you know so because it is a little bit gray so i just wanted to point that out too but um you just uh, you made a lot of really good points, um, yeah. you know that I that I appreciate too. Thank you, Howard.
0: Yeah, no that that's 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 good to know. You know, uh, if you have a good faith effort, then mm-hmm. if you screw something up, at least you tried and you can demonstrate yeah. that. Hey, listen, no one's perfect, but this this wasn't out of a callous disregard.
1: Right. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, fantastic. Well, it's such such a deep topic. Uh, And we are going to give people the links to the WC3 guidelines, but I know you also provide some consulting and some services in this space. Mm -hmm. If someone wants to learn more about you, what you've written, I know you've written a lot of articles and the services you provide, what's the best way for them to find you, get in touch with you, et cetera?
1: Um, Ruh Global is ruhglobal.com. And also check out billion-strong.org. It's a free global movement where we're trying to bring people with disabilities anyone that loves them, a family member, and anyone in society that wants society to be more inclusive together, to really celebrate, to celebrate, you know, our differences, our sameness, our abilities, our disabilities. We all have them. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate um, your voice, Howard. Thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you, Deborah, for joining us today. This has been really insightful and enlightening. I really appreciate it. And as always, thanks to all of you for watching and listening the Winning Digital Customers podcast. Thanks for being with us today. And until next time, keep transforming.
1: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Winning Digital Customers, the podcast. Find more great episodes at wdcpodcast.captivate.fm on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, or wherever you listen. And visit winningdigitalcustomers.com to learn more about the Wall Street Journal best-selling book that inspired the podcast.